Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Your Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the first edition of the Ultimate Garage Series here on the Collector Car Podcast. Now, this is a series I have been wanting to do for quite a while now. So why am I doing it now? Well, it was prompted by an acquaintance who is building an incredible garage, and he wants to fill it with a bunch of Ferraris and Lambos. So I thought, hmm, if I were given the chance to pick 10 cars to fill that garage, I bet I could pick ones that were going to be on an appreciation upswing versus a depreciation downswing. They always say, buy what you like, and you'll never regret it. But I like to say, buy what you like that the market also likes, and you will have an outstanding collection that is also an investment vehicle. Another event that sparked this idea is the fact that I've been knee-deep in Mopars recently. A client recently consigned four outstanding Mopars to RM Sotheby's Open Road Fall Online-only sale that kicked off yesterday. Now, these particular cars are a 1963 Dodge 330 Lightweight with a 426 Max Wedge as one of the factory race cars, a 1966 Plymouth Belvedere II 426 Hemi, a 1966 Plymouth Satellite with a 426 Hemi, and a 1970 Dodge Challenger RT convertible with a 383. Now you can check all these at rmsotheby's.com, and if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a note at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Now this Ultimate Garage Series is set up so that we can have a lot of fun with this. The episodes can be by company, so I could have the Ultimate Ford Garage, the Ultimate Nissan Garage, the Ultimate Ferrari Garage, by brand, Mustang Mopar Corvette. By performance line, it could be the Ultimate Nismo Garage, Shelby Garage, BMW, M Cars. By type of engine, the Ultimate Air Cooled Garage, Hypo Fords, Chevy LS's, Rotary, for example. By geography, the Ultimate JDM Garage, British, German. Or by car culture, low riders or hot rods. So there's a lot of fun stuff that we can do with this type of episode. And I will have one once a month, at least for the next year or so. Now, I will ask you for your input for every episode via my social media feeds, and I will give folks who give me some great cars to fill the Ultimate Garage a shout-out on the podcast. So don't miss an opportunity to share your Ultimate Picks by following the Collector Car Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the Collector Car Podcast. But before we get to the Ultimate Mopar Garage, I need to thank this show's sponsor, who is in the business of building ultimate garages. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts, for you and me. 
It's a perfect structure for a car collection, although you don't need a collection to get one of these for yourself, which is great because I don't have a car collection. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, all with very modern look and feel to them. They come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. Now, what's so cool about these is they have all the functionality you want in a garage, plus the bonus of comfort, social, or living space with your favorite vehicles. Everything is manufactured to the highest quality. For the frame, they use high-strength steel source in North America, and they use zinc powder-coated tubular steel for an exposed timber beam look, which is really cool. You can check them out today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. I've fallen in love with the Fuel City loft for my 996 and Toyota FJ. It has two great spots in there. And it has a great loft space upstairs that could be customized for podcasting, which I desperately need. Now it's time for me to give a shout out to all the noted contributors to this episode from Facebook. I'm going to rattle off a bunch of names, so I apologize for the mispronunciations. But I do appreciate your comments on my social media channels. So here we go. Chuck Stumpf, John Lewis, Dan Hastings, Alan Akels, Dave Spaulding, Bruce Farmer, Douglas Klein, Ed Choplin, Frank Wayne Pennington, Talon Fortner, Brian Medved, Larry McMillan, Denny Dublich, Brian Kirk, Jesse Favier, David Fries, George Capello, Ray Greenwood, Mike Burns, Melissa Lorbach, Alex Wilkins, Theo Thales, Edward Fior, Eric Height, Bill Aaron, Ronnie Hall, Josh Mishler, Jack Gallagher, Mike Bobby, Charles Young, and Chris Butler. Now, I do have a few others that went the extra mile and actually gave me all 10 cars that they wish were in their own Ultimate Mopar Garage. David Lancaster, Dale Check, James King, John Lautner, Zachary Husley, Daniel Fenici, Chris Landis, and Alex Wilkins. Thank you all for your wonderful suggestions, and please continue to do that. A lot of my choices were based on your recommendations. Now it's time to reveal the incredible cars you picked out for the Ultimate Mopar Garage. I will review 10 cars, including a brief overview on why it deserves a spot in the Ultimate Garage and how it has fared in the collector car market over the last five years. Then I'll tell you how much it would cost you to put these 10 cars into your own Metron-designed Ultimate Garage. As all of you probably expect, the very first car on the list is the 1971 Plymouth Cuda Convertible. Now, by most people's account, this is the ultimate muscle car of all time. Limited production, 426 Hemi, and great looks. These were trading in the plus $4 million range, but have fallen hard over the last few years. Even so, there would not be an ultimate Mopar garage without this car in it. Now, I'm going to quote the Haggerty average value for most of these cars, as well as the five-year trend. How have the cars done five years ago versus today? So, the Haggerty's average value for this car, the 1971 Plymouth Cuda convertible, is $1.7 million. Unfortunately, the five-year trend, it is down 21.7%. I do feel like these Mopars have been hit pretty hard lately, but they're on their upswing. They've actually pretty much bottomed out as far as I can tell. Now, the next one is a newer car, a 1996 Dodge Viper GTS. I love Vipers, and when it came down to which one am I going to pick, I initially went with a much more modern version, the, uh, the last year production with the ACR Extreme package. Uh, but then I went earlier, I even went first gen for a little while, but then I thought, you know what? I've always loved the 1996 GTS. It's got that Viper blue with the white racing stripes and the double bubble. So this was redesigned in the second generation, still had the same V10 with 450 horsepower, and it was an instant hit with performance enthusiasts who did not like the 
open roadster. The coupe roof design includes two bubbles over the seats to accommodate drivers wearing racing helmets, and it wasn't just a gimmick, as Viper Coupes found immediate success in sports car racing. Now, Chrysler released an American Club racing version, also known as the ACR version, in 1999. I did not pick one of those because they are such rough riders for around the, the streets. I want something a little bit more comfortable. Now, these would do 0 to 60 in 4 seconds flat, 0 to 100 miles an hour in 8.6 seconds, and the quarter mile in 12.2, which are all extremely respectable even today. Haggerty's average value for the 1996 Dodge Viper GTS is $44,300, and their five-year trend, get this, up 88.1%. So the million-dollar Cuda is down 21.7, but the $40,000 Viper is up 88%. So that is what I'm telling you. Some of these Mopars are on a strong upswing. Now, the third car in our 10-car list is one of my absolute all-time favorites. This is a car I've mentioned numerous times in previous podcasts that you need to buy this car now while they're affordable. It's the 1970 Plymouth AAR Cuda. The AAR Cuda joined the ranks in March 1970 thanks to Dan Gurney's All-American Racers, AAR, Plymouth Cudas campaigning in the SCCA Trans Am Series. Like the TA, Dodge Challenger, its 340 cubic inch V8 was de-stroked to 305 cubic inches for racing so they can compete with the Z28 Camaros and the Boss 302s. And they had three two-barrel carburetors. The AAR Cudas are easily recognized by its aggressive strobe stripes, four-speed gearbox, and blacked-out cold intake hood. Now, the Haggerty average value on the AAR Cuda is $59,000. And the five-year trend, like I said, this one was way down, down 29.9%. But I swear this thing has bottomed out. I mean, they're just such beautiful cars, and they handle wonderfully, and they sound awesome. Just great, great cars. All right, the fourth one in the list is one I mentioned earlier as one of the four cars I have at RM Sotheby's at their online fall sale right now. It's the 1963 Dodge 330 Lightweight. So now they only made 34 of these in 1963. Now they're pretty cool because they had the 426 Cross Ram engine, and then they were basically made for drag racing. They had, uh, let's see, they had aluminum hood with scoops, aluminum bumpers and bumper supports, and aluminum front Fenders. The battery was mounted in the trunk, and let's see, it had radio and heater delete. So basically, it was your drag strip racer from the factory. Now, if you go to the Collector Car Podcast Facebook page, you will actually hear this one fire up and kind of go by me a little bit. It's just a beast. Now, Haggerty's average value, they actually didn't have one this in the database, so I had to look around at different sources, which I put the average value around $80,000, and the five-year trend was slightly down. Now, the next one is the 1969 Dodge Challenger Daytona, the wing car, with the 426 Hemi. Now, Dodge hit its stride in 1969 with a whole new line of big cars with new fuselage styling and the first of the aero cars aimed at wrestling the NASCAR championship away from Ford. Now, I know I haven't mentioned it before, but most of these bullet points I'm calling out are from Haggerty's valuation tools, so you can read more by going to Haggerty.com. The Charger Daytona won its namesake race in the hands of Bobby Isaac and swept the first four places. The Daytona featured a two-foot-long extended nose cone, a three-foot-high rear wing, and curved back glass like the more subdued Charger 500. Now, I have been told on numerous times you can actually stand on that rear wing uh, because it's actually super strong and actually built into the chassis. It's not just a bolt-on. Now, perhaps the most recognized 1969 non-wing Charger is the 
General Lee from the TV show Dukes of Hazards, and the 300 car smashed up in the course of that series for 1969 Charger models. Now, this is very interesting. Dodge actually sold the Charger with only 145 horsepower Slant 6 back in 1969. And then, of course, you had the bigger engines. The 440 had 375 horsepower, and it was good for 0 to 60 in about 7 seconds. Now, do you know what? New Mopar also goes 0 to 60 in about 7 seconds. The 2020 Dodge Caravan, yes, a minivan, does 0 to 60 in 6.7 seconds. The minivans go as fast as the old muscle cars from the 60s. The 425 horsepower 426 Street Hemi was even faster but it was very expensive, and there were only four, approximately 400 of the Chargers made that way in 1969. Only 70 of them were in the Charger Daytona winged car. Now, the average value for the 1969 Dodge Charger Hemi Daytona is $373,000. Yes, very rare, very expensive, very special car. The five-year trend, they are down 9.4%. So like I said, they got hit pretty hard, but I think they're on their way back up. Now, here's a little bit of a curveball. This is not all about 1960s muscle cars. So the sixth car we're going to cover is a 1959 Chrysler 300E convertible. So I love the Chrysler 300 letter cars. You can go back even further. I just have a special love in my heart for the 1959 ones. I just think they look super cool. So this started in 1955, the Chrysler 300 hardtop, and it was claimed as the first real muscle car with 300 horsepower, from a 331 cubic inch Hemi V8. Zero to 90 miles per hour was 16.9 seconds and it had a top speed of 130 miles per hour. In 1959, only 140 300E convertibles were made, so they're fairly valuable. Now the Haggerty average value is $113,000 and the five-year trend is basically flat. It's actually down 0.5%. All right, our seventh car is the 1968 Dodge Coronet RT convertible. For this year, the bottom of the range was the Coronet Deluxe, which came powered by either a 225 cubic inch slant six or optional 180 horsepower, 273 cubic inch V8. Now, what was interesting is the Coronet 440, that model number could have a six cylinder or a 273 cubic inch engine or the 440. You would think the Coronet 440 would only have the 440 but it could also have the smaller V8 and a six-cylinder. And then the Cornette 500 was only V8s, but you could have a 318 cubic inch V8, a 383, or the 440. And then the big one, the RT, was the four, had the 440 cubic inch engine as the standard engine, and the 426 Hemi was an option. Now, the average value for this car via Haggerty is $126,000, and the five-year trend on the 1968 Dodge Coronet RT convertible is down 9.4%. Okay, three more to go. Our eighth car on this list is even older. It's the 1938 Chrysler Airflow sedan. The Chrysler Airflow was ahead of its time in terms of aerodynamics. The design was revolutionary for the 1930s. The sales, however, would be its downfall. They did not sell that well. Super cool cars, though. If you ever see one, you should uh, really take a look at it hard because they're very attractive, somewhat futuristic, and they look like they're from the 40s and 50s, not the 30s. Orville Wright, who's out of Dayton, Ohio, an aviation expert, was called upon to help design a vehicle that achieved aerodynamics similar to an airplane. Lightweight, rigid materials were used to help complement the vehicle's design. So very innovative car that was not appreciated at its time. 
the Chrysler Airflows used strictly eight-cylinder engines, while its sister car, the DeSoto version, only used a six-cylinder. Originally for this list, I had the DeSoto because I thought it would be cool to have one of the brands that's not around any longer. But then when I realized it was a six-cylinder versus the eight-cylinder, you always have to go with the eight-cylinder. All right, Haggerty's average value is $38,000, and the five-year trend is down 7.3%. I must make a note. A lot of times these are down because the peak for all cars was 2015. So we're still recovering from the 2000 peak in the collector car marketplace. All right, our ninth car is a 1969 Roadrunner 440 six-barrel. This is one that has a black fiberglass hood with a functional air scoop. The 1969 Plymouth Roadrunner scored Motor Trend's Car of the Year award, and the range was expanded to three models with a convertible added to the lineup, which is very, very rare. Car and driver recorded a 0-60 to mile-per-hour time of 5.1 seconds, much more respectable. Actually, that's really fast for the late 1960s, and a quarter-mile time of 13.54 seconds at 105 miles an hour. The Haggerty average value for the 1969 Roadrunner with a 440 six-barrel is $78,000. And his five-year trend, hey, we got a winner here, up 5.4%. Okay, our last one might be a little bit of a curveball. So we have some old stuff. We have some muscle cars. Well, how about a little bit of the new stuff? So our 10th car for our ultimate Mopar garage is the 2015 Dodge SRT Hellcat. I realize now you can get some better, cooler, faster ones. Like I really like the wide bodies. I like the Demon. I like the Red Eye. A lot of cool stuff, but I really like the very first year for a couple different reasons. One is I like the fact that the black satin hood didn't quite work out. So it's almost a year one one-off. So, you know, if you want to have a factory black satin hood, you have to go to 2015 where they only made 1,099 of them. And then I also would make it very specific. If you got one that was jazz blue, they only made 243 of these, paint code B5 blue. And you add a sunroof, only 140 were made with the sunroof, and you add the black satin hood, you really would have a unicorn. So that would be the modern car that I would want in the ultimate Mopar garage. Haggerty's a- average value is $45,000, and this one's still depreciating a little bit. The five-year trend is down 14.3%, but I recall if you looked at the most recent year, it was actually flat or slightly up. Now, if you were to build this ultimate Mopar garage five years ago, unfortunately, the average value for your collection would have decreased by 15.8%. So that would have been a bad time to do it. I argue that now is a great time to do it. But can you really put a price on smiles per gallon? Of course not. These are all awesome cars, and they would be welcomed in my garage any day of the week. And like I said, I believe the Mopar market trends have bottomed out and have already started to appreciate significantly. So grab that AAR, GTX, TA, ACR, or SRT while you can. They really do like their acronyms. So those are the Mopars that would make it into my Metron Garage Designed and Built Ultimate Garage. I have the old, I have the new, I have iconic muscle cars, I have the factory race car, the innovative classic, the modern muscle, and more. So I want you to tell me what would be in your Ultimate Mopar Garage. You can tell me by responding to this podcast episode on the Collector Cars Podcast Facebook page or Instagram feed. And like I said earlier, both are at the Collector Car Podcast. As always, keep your foot in the gas, the wheel straight, and I will see all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.